Lord, we just put you first place in our hearts this morning, and we see you as, as uh, all of which glory is for everything that we live for, everything that we do, every, everything you've given us, Lord, we give it back for your glory this morning, and um, we just speak to anything in our lives that's been taking first place, anything that's been too big in our lives, Lord, we just speak to that thing right now and say, no, you are bigger than that. You deserve first place. You deserve glory. And that you reign. You are king in our lives. So we just thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for um, just everything that you are. And we thank you for being in this place this morning. Amen. Well, you can take your seats. And we're going to move on with our service. Good morning, Destiny Church. I'm back. Well, at least, at least it wasn't golf applause, praise God. I'm uh, so glad to be back. I took a few weeks off. I, was, um, uh, I had somebody say to me, are you trying to find yourself? I said, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what I should be when I grow up. Still trying to figure that out. But anyways, no, I'm just trying to get some strategy, trying to decompress or, I don't know, one of those big words that, I was, that we always use. But it's good to be back. I want to thank everybody who... Um, preached. They did such a great job. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I should just let them keep preaching. They're doing a great job. But anyways, I thought, well, maybe I should come back. I don't know. But anyway, so here I am. I was going to title this message, I'm back, but I titled it something else. But before I give you, give you the message, let me receive the offering. And so if you have um, the ushers, please help me. If you get giving cash, would like a receipt uh, or you want to give online, there's a way to give. Make the checks out to Destiny Church. And uh, if you're giving cash, we'd like to receive one of these ushers, give you an offering envelope. And thank you so much again for, for um, uh, your faithfulness in giving. You know, like we went through this year of whatever it was called. But, and uh, you guys did an amazing job giving. I just appreciate it so much. We never lacked. In fact, you can see as you came in here, we did a bunch of remodeling and and all that, and we paid for it all, and we didn't borrow any money, and we don't owe anybody anything but to love him. And so I just so grateful for all of you and your faithfulness. Thank you so much. And uh, I just b- believing that God's going to give you, reward you for your faithfulness. Amen. So let's pray over our offering. Lord, thank you that we can give. Lord, we just thank you that you're good to us. You're good to all. Lord, that you are good and your mercy endures forever. And Lord, I just pray a blessing upon your people today as, as, they, as they give, Lord, just that you uh, give back to them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, Lord. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, man. I have a few announcements as they're passing the offering buckets. On May 20th, we have a Woman's Connect and Julie Kirkenwitz is giving her testimony. She usually sits over here. I don't see her, so she's not here today, but... Um, she'll be giving her testimony. That's at 6.30 here at church, June 20th. It's a Thursday. And also Dave Drexler will be in the back after the, um, 
after the service. If you want to update your uh, information, he'll be at one of the tables back there. And uh, we just appreciate you doing that. Uh, of course, we don't have snow emergencies now, thank God. But, we, you know, you might have something else. I don't know. You want to communicate with us. Just uh, update your information or give us your information. So stop and see Dave. Amen. I have another announcement that um, we, um, we scheduled, uh, we're, we've scheduled Dave Wagner. Some of you guys know Dave Wagner. He has a prophetic ministry. We scheduled him to be here in June. So I think it's June, um, the weekend of the 14th, 13th, 12th, 13th, and 14th, that weekend. He'll be here on um, a Saturday night and a Sunday morning. So that'll be awesome. And uh, he's got a prophetic ministry, flows prophetically, and so we'll be, we're excited about that. Well, praise God. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I titled this message, Armor All. And uh, that means, ar- I was going to call it Armor Up. But I, I, I want you to know that all of us, all of us, need to wear God's armor. You know, God provided armor for us. And whether you realize this or not, we, you know, we're in a spiritual, we're in a spiritual, I hate to use the word battle, but we're in a spiritual struggle. And um, there's a lot of things that are happening. And uh, I think that, you know, sometimes we, uh, there's a lot of turmoil, you know, like, like I was on this uh, sabbatical and almost every day we would get like a text or a message. Somebody was, you know, going through something and a lot of times really serious. And uh, it was kind of a, a serious situation. I think in our world today, there's a lot of turmoil. Now there's, now there's more riots uh, over Israel and that situation. And it's like it's a constant thing now. There's all this turmoil and there's all this unsettledness. And, um, and I, you know, one thing I don't like is I, I don't like our end time theories I'm just pausing to let you that sink in. And, you know, uh, and one of the main reasons for it is because our end time theory is basically that, you know, the church is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. Evil is going to triumph. And right before the evil takes over, we're going to get raptured. And then the Antichrist is going to take over, blah, blah, blah. I hate that theory. I'm just telling you that right now. Because I know some of you are looking at me like, what? What other theory is it? There's a lot of others. In fact, that one's a relatively new theory that started in the 1840s. But there, I mean, some of the great preachers that we all quote, you know, John Wesley, um, Jonathan Edwards, some of the great preachers, they didn't believe any of that. They believed something totally different. They believed that the kingdom would advance. They, they believed that before Jesus came back, that the, the light of the gospel would spread through the nations. You know, Jesus said, all authority is given unto me. Is, do we believe that or not? Then he said, you go and make disciples of nations. He said, discipled nations. He didn't say give up nations. He didn't say give them up to the devil and let the devil have control over everything. No, he said, he said make an impact in the nations, disciple the nations. Now, I don't believe everybody will get saved, but I hate to even say that because I think we should have that as our goal. I remember one time I was thinking about this. I was thinking about... Um, you know, somebody had died and, and they said from this area and they said, well, I don't think they knew the Lord. And I thought to myself, that really aggravates me. 
I just thought to myself, could we have it so that if you want to go to hell, you can't go to hell from around here? If you want to go to hell, you've got to go somewhere else. If you're going to, go, if you're going to drop off into the abyss, it won't be right, not in this area, no way. If you're in this area, you're not going to hell, you're going to heaven. And, and someone goes, well, you could. I mean, that's just not the way. It's supposed to get darker and darker. I just hate that thought. I hate me that mentality. I just think the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be so powerful and have such a powerful influence on society that it actually transforms society. You know, our mission statement is this. Equipping people who build the church change society and fulfill destiny. I hate, the, I hate the whole mindset. I'm using the word hate a lot, but I hate the whole mindset where we, just, we point at bad things that are happening. We say, well, see, Jesus is coming soon. There it is right there. How about the church is advancing? Wicked, wickedness is, is being defeated. Uh, signs and wonders are breaking out. The glory of God is appearing. The church is becoming more glorious. The church is becoming more influential. The church is, is establishing God's kingdom in all the different spheres of life. How about that? Yeah. You know, the I remember when I got, first got saved. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I got a lot of pent up. Uh, so when I, when I first got saved, you know, um, we, uh, I got saved with a bunch of other young people, young couples, or well, we weren't couples, but young people. And so there was a, the church we went to, um, there was a missionary there, and he was a godly man. And so we asked him to do a Bible study. And so he goes, well, what do you want to study? Guess what we said? Revelations. Of course, we all want to understand Revelations. And of course, he taught the trip to the typical view that, you know, that, you know, that, that we're all, everything's going to get worse and worse and worse. And then finally, the last minute, you know, the, a struggling, you know, half beat up, <gasps> wheezing, <gasps> wheezing church is going to be evacuated from the earth. And then the Antichrist is going to take over and all this horrible stuff is going to happen. And, and so, uh, and I believed that until I started, one day I was reading the scriptures and all of a sudden, I saw this verse, and it jumped out at me, where it says, He must reign, talking about Jesus. He must reign, does anybody know the next part? Until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. I thought, he must reign. Well, well that doesn't fit into our prophecy chart at all. I mean, he's going to reign, but I mean, his enemies being a footstool for his feet, well, that's not going to happen. I mean... Every, I mean, everything is going to get worse and worse and worse and, uh, and wormwood and, and, and uh, the beast. And, uh, you know, I don't know what he's talking about there, you know. And that was my first thought, that something is a worry in this whole end time. And I got to get off of this because I'm not preaching on this today. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, you know, when you think about it, we're supposed to have high hopes we're supposed to be, look at the future with optimism. That, that we serve a great God, a mighty God. We serve a, a God that wants to release his power in through his church. And, and we want to uh, you know, disciple nations. We want stuff to happen in the nations of the world. We don't want to secede them, just give them up to the devil because of our theories, our end time theories. You know, um, 
it's amazing what God and what God is doing. I mean, it's it's amazing what God is doing in the nations of the earth. It's it's powerful. I I, I can't remember. I, I don't do good at remembering numbers, but um, when they talk about China, how many people are being saved? How many churches, house churches, are in China? It's just amazing. And in other countries of the earth. Just all these things that are happening, even in our own nations, there's insignificant stuff happening. And and I just don't I mean, I realize that there's some pretty negative stuff. And, you know, sometimes I think we think this is the worst it's ever been. But there's been worse times. Thank you for that one. That's right. I mean, during World War Two, was it 50, 60 million people died? There have been plagues where like the Spanish flu were. You know, I don't remember. I don't remember the numbers, but a lot of people died. I mean, a lot more than died in our situation. But what I'm trying to say is that there's been worse times than right now. And we just think we just think it's getting worse and worse and worse. Not everything's getting worse and worse. Some things are getting better and better. But there are some serious challenges that are taking place in our society. I mean, I, I think that when you look at when you look at the deterioration of our culture, that is, isn't that disturbing to you? That bothers me a lot. That, you know, it seems like the wrong voices are being heard. Even in the news media, I'm going to get off this in just a minute. But even in the news media, you know, it's like, it's, it's not so much that they report uh, false things, that they just choose what they're going to report, so you get the wrong impression. It's like if I got up every day and I said, got up every time and I said, I have a son, his name is Joe. And the next time I got up and said, I have a son, his name is Joe. I have a son, his name is Joe. What would be your impression? You got one son, his name is Joe. But I actually have four. But just because I say this one thing over and over again, it leaves the wrong impression. And that's what's happening. There's an agenda. I'm going to get off this in just a minute. But there's an agenda to twist things and move things in the wrong direction. And I just think that it's time for some stars to fall. From the sky. I'm talking about some stars in these news media. They just need to lose their job. They need to hear the words. Two words that is so exciting to hear. You know what they are? You're fired. That's right. You're fired. And if the head of the, the department won't do it, I just think God should say, you're fired. Amen. All right, I'm done now. But you know, we all know this, that we are called to be salt and light. But how can we be salt and light if, we, if we're determined that everything's supposed to get worse and worse? I mean, it's at some point, we've got to get to the point where, no, we serve a great God. We serve a big God. You know, it's, when you look at the early church, I'm glad they didn't have this theory. Because, you know, they went into cities, and, and Paul's mindset was that the princes of this world are coming to an to coming to naught or coming to an end. He said, Paul said that in 1 Corinthians. He said, the princes of this world are coming to an end. Another, another translation says they're sputtering to a close. I like that. That's like saying you're, and that's Paul's mindset when he would go into cities. He goes, this city's going to have revival. This city's going to, this city's going to serve God. This city's going to have an outpouring of the Spirit. This city's going to be turned upside down or right side up is really a better term. This city's going to be impacted with the gospel. This city is going to change. This city's going to have a dramatic impact from the power of God. 
And so when he would go into a city, like the, we're looking at Ephesus here, the city of Ephesus was powerfully impacted by the gospel. In fact, they were, they were people that served Diana. You know, they called her Diana of the Ephesians. They were idol worshipers. In fact, they got so upset one time. I just thought this is interesting. They got so upset one time that they stood for two hours in the Times Square and yelled, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And I can just see Paul going, you can say anything you want. But old Diana's coming down. And Jesus is going to be Lord of this city. And they had an incredible impact in that city. Because we're called to be salt. We're called to be light. Amen? And so we're called to react against the decay. We're called to bring light where there was, there's darkness. And, uh, and so when I think about that, I think that all of us need to have this, get this vision that we are in a struggle. We are in a struggle and we, we can't have this passive mindset that we're just going to let everything go to the, to the dogs because, you know, that's what's been predicted. Are you with me? That, you know, prayer does have an influence. Prayer does have an influence. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6. Let's read a few verses here. And uh, so there has to be a response from us. There has to, we have to be salt and light. And so in Ephesians 6, verse 12 through 18, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. He uses the word against before each one, against rulers of the darkness, against of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So it mentions four different types of evil spirits. And then he says, Therefore take up unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. You know, it's interesting when Paul, when you look at this armament, I, I get the impression that Paul was looking at a Roman soldier because he was under house arrest when he wrote this. And so he probably had a Roman soldier there with him. And so one day he's looking at this Roman soldier. He's going, that's us. And then he gave, he gave scriptures or he gave uh, spiritual significance to each piece of the armor. And he goes, he goes, he tells us to stand. You know, the word there, stand, means to stand up tall with your head up and your shoulders back. Stand up tall against all by, and put on the full armor of God. You know, Roman soldiers, they were, you know, they had a reputation of being very, very victorious. I mean, they actually lost battles, but in most cases they won the war. They, they lost battles, they lost skirmishes, but in most cases they won the war and they conquered lands. And, uh, and so they had this war, and when they would go into a, a country and they would defeat the enemy, they would bring the leaders of that, of that country and they would parade them through the streets of Rome and the, Ro and the Roman soldiers would, would come through there and they called that the triumph. And Paul said, Christ always leads us in the triumph. Always leads us in the triumph. That means that we're, we're, we're parading the principalities and powers that we've defeated by the power of God. We're parading them through the streets. We'll have our head up high, our shoulders back, and we're standing tall, and we're going, this is what we've captured in the name of the Lord. 
That's the idea that we should be victorious. Turn to your neighbor, say victorious. Victorious. He always leads us in the triumph. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, he said, Yea, in all these things we are more than conquerors. I don't even know what that means, but if he said we are conquerors, that'd be awesome. But he said we're more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. We're more than conquerors. Turn to your neighbor and say this again. Say, you're looking at more than a conqueror here. So he said, take up you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. See, because there always is an evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. So the word stand is used quite a bit. Stand up tall. Stand therefore. And then he says, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So he, he, he didn't say that, well, there's some people that are, rest, are in a struggle. He said, for we wrestle not. And so when he talks about wrestle, wrestling is a pretty up-close and personal struggle. When you wrestle with somebody, you don't, you don't stand you know, 20 feet away and throw things at them. Wrestling is you grab them, they grab you, you start wrestling. That's the idea. So it's up-close and personal. So the enemy, even though you don't see him, he is, he is actively involved in your life, trying to bring you into, trying to bring death and discouragement to your life trying to bring you down, trying to get you off the right path. You know, when I was first saved, some of you heard me say this, that I decided that I would, I heard a guy preach on praying an hour a day. So I, I made the commitment to pray an hour a day. I did, it, I did it faithfully for years. An hour every day, I would read my Bible and pray, spend time with the Lord. And uh, what happened was all of a sudden I started having spiritual dreams. I started seeing things. And one of the first dreams that I had was I, this Bible study group that I was telling you about. I was I was I had a dream one night that I was on this kind of this mountain and I was looking out and I saw in the valley I saw a bunch of people there wandering around with these incredible looking guns. And then I looked over to the right and I saw like three layers of army of of, of soldiers in a row with little pea shooter type guns. And they were pointed at these group of people in the valley there. And I thought, in a dream now, I thought to myself, well, they're not going to shoot. And just when I thought that, all of a sudden they opened fire. And when the smoke cleared, everybody in the valley was laying down. And so the next scene was I was down there with them. And all of a sudden I saw people that I had, people that I knew from the Bible say were there. I remember I had a good friend. He was there. And he had been, he had been, it's kind of weird, you know, because it was a shooting scene, but he had been bitten by a snake. And I, I was like concerned. I thought, should I suck the blood? If you get bit by a snake and I'm around. <laughs> As we say in Russia, dasvidanya. <laughs> but, um, but so I, I, I was sitting there looking at him and, and all of a sudden this person next to me said, he is bitten, but he'll recover. And I, saw, I looked around and I saw people dying that were in that, in that group, in that Bible study. 
And I was so disturbed about it. I woke up. I was so disturbed about it. And actually, I think I didn't realize at the time, but I think God was warning me, telling me to pray. That it doesn't have to turn out this way. And this guy that I saw, he was a good friend of mine. We got saved together. That I saw got bitten. He, he did. He backslid. Went away from the Lord for a period of time, but then he came back. But what I'm trying to say is that these guys were attacked by the enemy. And it, the thing is, is that the enemy is trying to take us. I, I don't like to talk about the devil, but the enemy's trying to take us out. The enemy's trying to take you out. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time, longer than I want to tell you. Actually, this year, I've been a Christian 50 years. That's a long time. And, and so I've had the, the opportunity to watch people get saved, start the Christian life, and I've watched them get taken out. And I've watched them backslide. And, and a lot of times the, in the case, what happens is if, if they're married and have children, their children are affected by it. Their children get affected. They don't realize that they are in a battle. They are in a struggle. The enemy's trying to take you out to remove you from your place so that he can get your descendants. And if you're not careful, if you're not on your guard, if you don't stand strong, what will happen is the, the issue is not just over you. The issue is over, your, over the generations. And it, listen, if you stand strong, guess what? Generations after you will be affected. Generations after you, if you can break through, if you can rise up, if you can break through, shake off stuff and just keep going, don't quit. Generations will feel, in the, will feel, your, will feel the wave of your victory, the wave of your persistence. They'll feel it. It's powerful when you think about it. But sometimes what happens is when we, we get attacked, we just sort of think that it's all about this situation right now and I'm in pain or I'm in a situation here. I don't know what to do and, and I'm offended or I'm this or I'm that. And, and so I just have a tendency to react or, or just do what is instinctively comes to my mind. You know? And so I, you know, a lot of times Christians live by instinct and we shouldn't. We sh we're supposed to be led by the Spirit, right? Thank you for the great... Am I doing okay this morning? Are you guys doing okay? I mean, I don't even... I don't know where I am right now. I don't know what we're doing. Thank you. But he says, but, but our struggle is not with flesh and blood. It's not with people. It's not with people. You want to hear another story? I, I don't want this sermon to be spooky, okay? Because if you've heard me preach a lot, you don't, I don't do a lot of spooky stuff, but... But it doesn't mean that I haven't had spooky things happen to me. <laughs> but um, I remember one time, years ago, I was dealing with a family in the church, and they were, I thought they were offended, but I couldn't tell if they were or not. And so I actually asked them, is there something wrong? I mean, did I do something or say something? I can't imagine I would have, but <laughs> when you're almost perfect, you can't imagine that you've done anything. But, you know, I'm just, that's a joke. But... Um, but they said, no, nothing's wrong. And then eventually, you know, they started causing problems, different things. But so I was praying for them. And one night I had a dream. Here's another dream. One night I had a dream. This is a kind of a weird dream. So I was, at the, I was at their house. I don't know if I should be telling you this. Should I just keep going my sermon? Just forget. Okay, I'll tell you this dream. Okay, so I was, I was at their house and I was sitting in the kitchen and the, and the mother was there, the woman. 
And I got up and I said, I'm going to go get some fruit. And so then I walked out the door. When I walked out the door, I walked out on a patio. This is a dream now. And when I looked, there was the man. And, but next to him were two creatures. And one, they looked like e, kind of like E.T., but a little bit maybe taller. They were, had skinny bodies, big heads, long fingers. And as soon as I walked out, am I scaring you guys? As soon as I walked out, they came at me. And they stood in front of me and they said, you're not going to get the fruit. You're not going to get the fruit. And so I tried to step aside. And they stepped in front of me. You're not going to get the fruit. You're not going to get the fruit. I kept trying to get by them. And they kept saying, you're not going to get the fruit. You're not going to get the fruit. And so then at one point, one of them put his hand on my shoulder and I knocked it away. And then they just went crazy. They started telling, saying what they're going to do to me and they're going to do this and that. And, that. and then I woke up. And I sort of realized that these people were having demon problems. Let me just say it like that. Demon problems. And I don't think they realized they were having demon problems. But they were. And he's saying here that our struggle is not with flesh and blood. It's not with people. But it's with principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So it's not with flesh and blood. We're not struggling with people. Amen. But he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able. So he says, he says there's an armor that God has provided for us, but we have to put it on. Put it on and then you'll win. That's what he's saying. Put it on and you'll win. You'll win every time. If you put this on, you'll win every time. So what is the armor? It protects us at the points where Satan attacks us. So each one, you should look at each piece of the armor because this is a point of Satan's attack. Each, one of the, each piece of the armor is a point of Satan's attack. And you think about it, not any, no one is immune to the attack because even Jesus was attacked in the wilderness and the temptation. So it, it doesn't matter who you are, you're gonna be, there's going to be an attack. And sometimes we just kind of write it off. We don't realize that, hey, you know what, you're under attack. The enemy's trying to take you out. And so the first thing that he mentions here is your loins girt about with truth. Amen. The loins girt about with truth. So loins are the seat of feelings. It's the seat of emotions. So like what they would do, uh, soldiers would do is that, you know, when they were relaxing is that they, would, they wore robes. You guys have seen them, right? In fact, if you go online, they'll show you how to gird your loins. They have actually show you how a soldier would gird his loins. So, so the, their, their robe would kind of hang out, be blown in the breeze, you know. We, I won't even go any further with that. But anyway, so blown in the breeze there. But, you know, you can't fight that way because, you know, somebody would step on it. And, and that's kind of like your emotions. It's, how many know that emotions are incredible? I mean, we'd be all a bunch of Spocks if we didn't have emotions. That is illogical. Right? I mean, that'd be horrible. It'd be like seeing the whole world black and white. Emotions give color. Emotions are awesome. I love emotions. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you were going to say that. But anyway, <clears throat> but, but I mean, they are. They're absolutely wonderful. But how many, and, and they're wonderful when they're going in the right direction. When I look at my wife and I go, woo, you know, I'm just like, whoa, baby. Let's go make out. You know, I'm just like, you know. I mean, that's wonderful, isn't it? And we still do make out, by the way. 
after 44 years. And it's, it's pretty hot, too. But after, yeah. I only got eyes for you, baby. But my point, my point, how did that come out? So my, but my, but my point is that sometimes, I don't know, and I hate to admit this, but sometimes I look at her and I go, why did I marry you? And I know she thinks that about me. You know, she goes, what, what did I ever see in you? But I like it when I'm going, whoa, baby, you know. I love that when I'm going, what, you know, what, what's happening here? I don't like that. But what do I do? I say, well, I just feel it, so therefore it becomes true. No. No, I just, I don't, I mean, I don't feel it right now, but guess what? The feeling's going to come back. So I can't, even though I love emotions, I can't trust emotions. I can't totally trust emotions because they, they, they lie to me sometimes. They deceive me sometimes. Amen. You know, sometimes I get my feelings, feelings hurt. And if I don't deal with it right, what happens is it can grow into an offense where I have bitterness, unforgiveness, and, and things and can separate me from the place where God wants me to be. I mean, sometimes that happens between a husband and wife. Feelings, you know, there's hard feelings, you know, you had expectations, you didn't meet my expectations, this is getting worse, da-da-da. You know, and, and what happens is a wedge starts to grow between us. And what's happening is feelings and thoughts are, are not being submitted to the truth of God's word. So he says, what he says here is you got to, collect these feelings, thank God for them, and you got to gird them and make them submit to truth. So I don't feel it right now like I come, in, I, like I come into worship and I go, I'm just not feeling it today. Now maybe you've ever had that happen? We're just not feeling it today? You come into worship, you go, you know, if that guy says praise the Lord one more time, I'm going to attack him. You know, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? You want to go over there and say, shut up! Because why? Because your feelings are going in a different direction. Yeah. Because your feelings are going in a different direction, right? That's why we have this song. I like this song. It says, "It says, uh, come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Come on, soul. And, and that's actually scriptural. David would say that. What are you doing down there? You know, you're digging holes in the basement, soul. Come on. And what he's basically saying is, you may not be feeling it right now, but the feeling's going to come pretty soon here. Just get, let's just engage here, and let's just start singing, and let's just start clapping our hands, and let's just start lifting our voice, and let's just start dancing, and let's just start moving forward. And guess what? The feeling's going to come back. Yeah. Then, you're, then, you're, then you go, okay, that's what I wanted to feel right there. How many can see what I'm saying? But, you know, a lot of times, you know, hurting. And, I, you know, I really believe this with all my heart that, that you know, I, I wrote down three things that I think we should all be involved in. Three words that are so powerful. It's the word hungry. See, he's feeling it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel it. Holy Ghost over here. Three words are, they start with H, hungry. All of us should be hungry for more of God. We, to learn more, to, 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 to gain more, to, to go forward, move ahead. All of us should be hungry all the time. All the time hungry. 
The second word is humble. We should all be humble. We should be approachable. We should be teachable. People should be able to talk to us, correct us, adjust us. We should be humble. You, you don't, we don't want to have the attitude, who do you think you're talking to? Well, you want to say, you want to say a fool, and I didn't know it. You know, but but you, you don't say that, because that's the, that goes against the third thing I was going to say. <laughs> that didn't come right. That, so the third thing is the word honor, three H's. Hungry, humble, and honor. Honor, every single person deserves respect. Well, thank you. Everybody deserves to be honored because, because they're, people deserve respect. They are loved and valued by God. They deserve for us to respect them. I mean, sometimes they don't act like they deserve it, but we should be respectful to people because they're, they're created in the image of God. And sometimes we might not feel like it, but they deserve it. And sometimes it's hard. You know, you, you don't try to hurt people's feelings, but sometimes you do. Right? And so, but, so one of the areas of attack is our feelings. The enemy will try to play on, our, on the, our feelings and try to get us, try to get us to get, be offended. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm unoffendable. I just will not be, just say that, I just will not be offended. Because I know where that, that goes. I saw this preacher, I thought this was a good example. I saw this preacher, he talked about offense, offense, but he actually preached his sermon the whole time he built offense. So he's, he's doing this whole sermon, he's building a, a, a fence. I thought, and by the time he's done, he's got this fence all built around him, he going, and it's above his head, he goes, can you guys see, you know, it's like, what a great picture, you didn't, if I did that, you'd remember that. But that is so important that we, we don't get offended. Because the truth is that people let us down. They can be insensitive. They can be inconsiderate. And so that, that means that we have to be, because the Bible says about love, we're supposed to walk in love. The Bible says about love, it says it doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. Now that doesn't mean that we just open ourselves up to being abused. But it just means that we have to be careful because it's a point of attack. It, how many can see that? It's an, a point of attack. It's so many people have been attacked there, and it's a point of attack. So the first one is loins girt about with truth. So you can get ready because there's going to be an attack there. You're going to be challenged there. You're going to be, the opportunity is going to come there. The second one is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Now, this isn't really talking about our works of righteousness. I hear people say that. I'm going, wait a second. We're talking about God's armor, armor that God provides. And so it's not our righteousness. It's not works righteousness. It's the armor that God provides. How many know that God provides righteousness? It's called the gift of righteousness. That means, that means um, even if you don't, you know, we don't feel like sometimes we measure up, but we don't measure up because of our own actions. We measure up because of Jesus' actions. I heard a preacher say that righteousness is the most misunderstood subject in the Bible. 
The truth is, I'm declared righteous by my faith in Jesus, not what I do. I'm righteous by what he did. My righteousness, works righteousness, is as filthy rags. But his righteousness is glistening and bright. In Romans chapter 10, Paul compares the two righteousnesses. The righteousnesses, that's a word. Romans 10, verses 3 and 4, he says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So he says here that he's talking about God's righteousness, and he's talking about people that go about to establish their own righteousness, which is from the law. In other words, works righteousness. But the problem with works righteousness, you never know if you've got there yet. That's why God in Christ declared us righteous if we believe on Jesus and treats us as if we're righteous people. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. My own righteousness, which is from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Probably one of the greatest points of accusation, or greatest weapons that the enemy uses against us is accusation. Accusation and condemnation. I don't feel I'm worthy. I don't feel like I measure up. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't know where, you know, sometimes, you know, because, again, it goes back to how you feel. I don't feel like God is even listening to me. How many, I don't know if you ever felt that way. And so you, we sometimes measure where our standing with God is based on how we feel. But the truth is, the truth is, is that when we receive Christ, we are declared righteous. Our sins are washed away. And when God deals with us from that point on, he treats us as if we're a righteous person. One of the greatest examples that Paul uses is uh, Abraham. And, you know, if Abraham was a knucklehead. I mean, come on. He gave his wife away twice. I mean, come on. How many women? Come on, help me out here. Would you like, I'm not having a kid with you. I mean, <laughs> you're a knucklehead. You know, I mean, I, I can't. Is this your wife? Oh, I don't know. I don't even hardly know the woman, you know. <laughs> She's my sister, you know. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. And he did that twice. He gave, his he gave his wife away twice. And because he said, She's my sister. I mean, Abraham wasn't a perfect guy, but what happened was God, I, I like the second time he gave his wife away to this guy, this guy named Abimelech. And so Abim God shuts the womb of all the women in, in Abimelech's household. And, and, and so Abimelech's trying to wonder what's going on here. And so God comes to Abimelech in a dream one night and he says, you're a dead man. He goes, you took somebody's wife. And Abimelech in the dream goes, he told me she was her, her, his sister. I know that's why I didn't kill you yet. I mean, you're going, wait a second here. This isn't right. I mean, isn't Abraham the bad guy here? I mean, isn't he the guy that should get slapped? But, but, but he, here's what God said. You're right. I, and that's why I didn't kill you yet. But restore the man's wife back to him. And then ask the man to pray for you because he's a prophet. He'll pray for you. <laughs> he's not a prophet. He's a liar. You know <laughs> 
He's a poor husband too. I mean, come on. And he's a, the reason he did all this was because he was a chicken. He said there, I mean, he's, he's a lot of things, but he's not a prophet. And I don't know, I think we should pray for him. I don't think he should pray for us. But what was happening was because of Abraham's faith, God was treating him as if he was a righteous person. And because of your faith in Jesus, God treats you as if you're a righteous person. When you believe on Jesus, righteousness is imputed to you. It's put into your account. You are declared righteous before the eyes, in the eyes of God. And he'll treat you as a righteous person. That's why the Bible says that the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and is working. But here's another area. i got to quit. But here's another area of Satan's attack. He attacks us based on, our right, uh, based on righteousness. He's, he's, he'll attack us. He'll say, well, you're not righteous. And he'll try to condemn us. You did that thing. You shouldn't have done that. And it, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Paul said this. <clears throat> he said, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Let's all stand together. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Our world desperately needs a church that has its armor on that is praying. How many agree with that? Our world desperately needs a church that is victorious, moving forward. Our world desperately needs a church that has a mindset that we were born to raise hell. Not R-A-I-S-E. R-A-Z-E. Raise means to destroy, to tear down, to demolish. I think every one of us across our spirits, we should have the words born to raise, R-A-Z-E, born to raise hell. Because how many know that the, there's someone living inside of us named Jesus? Right? Do we, do we agree with that? And he was a demon stomper. Right? Sickness healer. Help me out. Prayer, prayer, prayer. He's victorious. And he lives inside of us. And he was tempted like we are tempted, but he was without sin. Jesus said, the enemy comes, but he has no place in me. There's no place in me. Jesus had his armor on. Amen. And that's what we have to recognize today is that we have to have our armor on. We've got to enter into the spiritual battle. Praise God. So let's just, as we close here, just lift our hands one time and just say, thank you, Jesus, for your great armor, Lord. Thank you for the armor. Thank you for the armor of God. Thank you, Lord, for your armor. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for our loins girt about with truth. Thank you for the breastplate of righteousness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we are, this is the armor that you provided. You provided truth so that we could, we could make our feelings submit to your truth. Hallelujah. You provided righteousness so that we could be declared righteous. There's no accusation or condemnation against our lives. 
hallelujah, that we are free, hallelujah. We are your children. We are your children. We have right standing with you, Lord. <clears throat> hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, right now, as your church, we just pray for our, our society. We pray for our communities. We pray for our state. We pray for our nation. Pray for our world, Lord. Hallelujah. We ask you, Lord, that you would intervene. We ask you, Lord. You said that if we prayed, we could lead a quiet and peaceful life. Lord, we just pray that you would intervene. Lord, we just pray that you would intervene in our society, Lord. That you would intervene, Lord. We just pray, God, that the wrong voices that have been being heard, we just pray that they would, that they would be silenced. And Lord, that your voice, we just pray for your voice to be released. We'll be your voice, but we just pray for your voice to be released in our society, Lord, in our community, in our state, in our nation, Lord. Your voice, let it be heard now, Lord. Let it be heard now, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, God. Have your way. Let there be a great awakening. Let there be a great awakening come to our nation, Lord. Tremendous awakening. And Lord, we just pray that somehow you would cause us to rise up and be salt in our area so that if people want to go to hell, they got to go somewhere else. That every single person, Lord, in our area can be touched by you, Lord. We just put that out there, God. Trust you, Lord, that's, that you will just cause salvation to abound in this area. Hallelujah. That you cause salvation to abound in our communities in this area, Lord. Let us be a voice, God. In Jesus' name. How many agree with that? That was a good prayer. I don't care what anybody says. That was a good one. Let's sing this song. The power to save with only a whisper, mountains shake. Jesus, our hope and strength. And you made a way and unlocked these chains here in your presence, strongholds break. By your love, you gave. We give you the highest praise. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. We give you the highest praise. You deserve it all. You deserve it all. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's just give God a good hand clap, would you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. opportunity to be prayed for. So if the prayer counselors could please come forward. If you have a need, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical need, please don't leave. If you're, if you're struggling this morning with something, don't leave. Just hang around and let the prayer counselors pray for you. Amen? Praise God. And so it's been great being with you today after a month. And so I'm probably going to continue with this Armor of God message. And, uh, and then the conclusion is to pray. And God wants us to pray. pray. Prayer is one thing, not the only thing, but prayer is one thing that shapes culture, shapes the environment that we live in. It's not the only thing, but it's one thing. And so God wants us to be armored up so that we can pray. After he describes the armor, then he says, praying always with all prayer. So that's how I want to end up. I want to end up talking about prayer. Amen. But if you do need prayer this morning, please come forward as soon as I dismiss. It's been great being with you. God bless you. Have an awesome week. You're free to go.